The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. 
according to the prophecies in the book of Revelation. We are at the end of time. And you will see, and I will see, the coming of the Lord. We are the last generation. And then Jesus comes. He comes at any hour. And we are to be dressed and ready. Are you ready? Are you ready for Jesus to come? Have you prepared? And are you ready? This work of preparation, we need to test. You can test it very simply. Sit down and begin to read the scriptures. And if you immediately go to sleep, or if the scriptures are boring to you, you know immediately you are not ready to meet Jesus. The scriptures are the very words of God. And if they hold no interest, or if they put you to sleep, you know there is a work that must be done in your heart and done quickly if you are to be with Jesus. Are you consumed with going somewhere? Going shopping? Going for a particular sport? Do things hold your attention? then you are not ready for Jesus to come. For things must grow strangely dim in the light of God's glory and grace. If those things are right up in your face, you are not ready for Jesus to come. If your heart is fixed on some particular activity or sport that is outside of Jesus, some entertainment, the collecting of gold and silver, the collecting of wealth, the collecting of stuff, then you are not ready for Jesus to come. And if you are not ready for Jesus to come, you cannot enter into his kingdom. For he said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do these great works? And he will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I don't know you. So again, I ask you the question. Are you ready for Jesus to come? He is coming. He is coming like a freight train. There is nothing that you can do that will slow down his coming. There's nothing that you can do that will speed up his coming. He is coming on his timetable. And he is coming to bring about the fullness realization of the kingdom of heaven. Now, let's be very clear. Grace is not a covering for sin. Grace is not the imputed righteousness of Jesus. Where grace is truly at work, it produces conviction of sin as a soul begins to awaken to their true condition 
before a holy God. Grace brings out clearly in our heart the defilement of the sin that we are still walking in. As the soul is awakened to its true condition before a holy God, sorrow and shame because of that sin begins to fill a man or a woman's heart. And in the process, he begins to have revealed to him by the power of the Holy Spirit, a Savior. And you begin to understand your absolute necessity for this Savior. And if you're still blowing off the Christian faith, you are not ready to meet him. Now, today is a a day of consciousness for me, a day of, if you please, even celebration for me. For 12 years ago this morning, my precious wife, Jan, closed her eyes and took her last breath as I held her in our bedroom as she died of cancer. And she went to be with the Lord. It was 10 a.m. in the morning on May 10, 12 years ago. There is nothing romantic. There is nothing pretty about death. It is ugly. It is unnatural. It is the direct result of sin. If you have seen your pet die as you had him put down by the vet, or if you have seen your brother or sister, your mother, your father die, you know there is nothing romantic about it, and it leaves a great void in your heart. But I know that my precious wife was ready and that Jesus was calling her. And she went with victory on her lips, knowing she was ready to meet Jesus. She had put away all known sin. There was no mark of wickedness upon her life. She was clean by the blood of Jesus. It's my great desire that you likewise be ready to meet Jesus because we do not know when we will be called to stand before our Savior. But I can tell you that in Jesus Christ is found joy and peace and a great love in our hearts for holiness, that we would serve him single-mindedly in this present day, in this present age, as we wait for the coming of our Lord and Jesus, our Lord and Savior. 
Now, there's a passage of scripture I want to read for you. It's found in the book of James. James, the first chapter, I'll begin reading for you, please, at verse 21. I'm reading for you the lavender translation, which is a literal translation of the Greek. Therefore, having already taken off all moral uncleanness and residue of depravity. So James is saying, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we are washed in his blood, all moral uncleanness is removed from us. Lying, cheating, stealing, sexually unclean, lust, every wicked desire of the of the heart is removed. It is washed. Even the residue of depravity, the residue, that which could stick to you, even that is removed. In humility, you must receive the engrafted word. That is, you must receive what Jesus wants to make you into. The one being able to save your soul. Only Jesus can save your soul. And as we face these terrible end times, as we face incredible persecution, I read about one pastor who was imprisoned in a Turkish prison for a number of years. His testimony was that he was not prepared for persecution, that he spent a great deal of time weeping, broken, discouraged. And then there rose up in his heart a determination to pray. And by his own testimony, the only way he made it through that time of great persecution was by spending many hours every day on his knees praying, enduring the the beatings, enduring the savagery of a Turkish prison with a reputation of being the one of the very worst prisons in the world. I'm sure it competes with the prisons in South and Central America, Mexico. He said, don't be too sure to say that persecution will be a good thing. His confession was that now he is much stronger in Jesus, that he was weak when he went into the prison, but he came out strong in Jesus. I want to tell you, one of the greatest problems we face today, one of the greatest temptations we face today, And one of the things that causes us to be unprepared for this eternity that is at the door is our luxurious lifestyle, where we see the world as a smorgasbord and we can go and take what we want. We're in charge of our own lives. No, we are not in charge. If we are in charge, we are not a Christian. So James writes, Now you must be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
No, you must be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, this one is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. Now he observes himself and has gone away and immediately forgot what he looks like. But the one having looked into the perfect law, the one of liberty, and having continued, this one is not becoming a forgetful hearer, but a doer of work. This one will be blessed in his doing. This one. The great danger today is that we will be talkers and not doers. If you are not having worship with your family in the morning, in the evening, if you are not lifting up Jesus in every activity of your life, if Jesus is not the central focus of your mind and your body, you are not ready for Jesus to come. And you must quickly prepare because he is coming. Now, I believe in preparing for what's coming to this world by having a little food put aside, having some ways of defending my family, those I love. I believe in preparation. But all of that pales into nothingness compared to the desperate need to prepare for the coming of Jesus because he is at the door. He is at the door. Now, John Bunyan speaks about this in his book, Pilgrim's Progress, from which we derive the name of this broadcast. I want to read a portion of what he says about talkative. Now, I saw in my dream that as they went on, faithful looked to one side and saw a man whose name was talkative. He was walking beside them a short distance away. For on that part of the path, there was room enough for many to walk together. Talkative was a tall man and looked more handsome at a distance than he did up close. I want to stop. I want to ask you the question. Do you look more handsome as a Christian at a distance? Because when you come up close and really look at who you are, your heart is still lusting after the things of this world. Your heart is still lusting after success or entertainment. Your heart is still given to the movies, to the gourmet food, to the recreation. What is your heart given to? That will determine whether or not you can walk successfully through the coming days of utter destruction. Many of you will die. Many of you will not make it through what's coming. Are you ready to die? 
I recognize that I may not live through this. It would be a privilege to be martyred for the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know that I'll live through what's coming, the famine, the pestilence, the destruction with a nuclear weapon, or the violence and the uprising of chaos in America. I may not live through that, and you may not either. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Or are you saying, I'll go along to get along. I'll do what I please. I'll go where I please. I'll think what I please. Nobody's going to tell me what I'm supposed to think. Okay, do it your way. You're a part of the kingdom of darkness. Please understand, there is no middle ground between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. When I walk into a room that is pitch black, but I carry with me a flashlight, I turn the flashlight on. What happens to the darkness? It flees. The darkness cannot overcome the light. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Where Jesus becomes real in your life, the darkness of your heart will flee. And with sorrow and with confession, you will turn away. You will give up the darkness. It will be forced to leave you because Jesus is the light. And the darkness, according to John, the first chapter, could not overcome the light. Faithful spoke to Talkative. Friend, how are you? Are you going to the heavenly country? Well, that's exactly where I'm going, Talkative replied. Well, good. I hope we have the pleasure of your company. I'd be happy to to be your companion on the journey. Come then, let's go together and spend our time in conversation about things that are excellent. I'm glad to have met someone who realizes how profitable it is to talk about good things. To tell you the truth, there are very, very few of us who will spend time during travels speaking about what is good. Most men will waste their time talking about things that are of no value, a fact that troubles me. And Faithful agreed, yes, that waste of time is something to regret. Is there anything more worthy of our tongues and our mouths than to speak of the things of God and of heaven? I'm enjoying your company already, Talkative said warmly. Your speech is full of conviction. And to what you said, I will add that there is nothing more profitable or pleasant as talking about the things of God. Also, if a man likes to talk about history or the mystery of things or miracles or signs and wonders, where would he find it recorded more sweetly than in the Holy Scriptures? Yes, Faithful agreed. That is true. We should desire to thus be profited in our conversation by purposely talking about the things of God. Talkative added, those are my thoughts exactly. 
for to talk of such things is profitable. By so doing, a man may gain knowledge about things, including the vanity of earthly things and the benefit of things above. To be more specific, by talking, a man may learn the necessity of the new birth, the insufficiency of our works, the need of Christ's righteousness. In addition, by talking, a man may learn what it is to repent, to believe, to pray, to suffer, and the like. By talking, a man may learn what are the great promises and consolations of the gospel and be comforted by those promises. Further, by talking, a man may learn to refute false opinions, to defend the faith, and to instruct the ignorant. All of this is true, said Faithful. I'm glad to hear you say it. Talk it if one on. Because there's so little talk of these things, there are few who understand the need for faith and the necessity of a work of grace in their souls for obtaining an eternal life. They are ignorant, and they live by the works of the law, through which no man by any means may obtain the kingdom of God. Faithful answered, yes, but the heavenly knowledge of these things is a gift of God. No man can attain them by human industry or by merely talking about them. Oh, I know all of that very well, Talkative said softly, for a man can receive nothing unless it is given to him from heaven. All is of grace, not of works. I could give you a hundred scriptures to confirm that. Well, said Faithful, what is that one thing that we should spend our time talking about? Well, whatever you like, Talkative offered, I'll talk of things heavenly or earthly moral or evangelical, sacred or profane, past or future, domestic or foreign, important or inconsequential, so long as it's done for our benefit. Now Faithful began to marvel about Talkative, and stepping over to where Christian was walking, he softly said to him, What a brave companion we have found! Do you not think that this man may be a very excellent pilgrim? Hearing this, Christian smiled gingerly and said, The man with whom you are so impressed will beguile you with that tongue of his. Do you know him? Faithful asked. Know him? Yes, better than he knows himself. Well, tell me who he is. Well, his name is Talkative. He dwells in our town. I'm surprised that He's a stranger to you, but perhaps it's understandable since our, since our town is so large. Well, whose son is he? And where does he live? Faithful inquired. Well, he's the son of Mr. Saywell. He lives in Pratting Row. And he's known to all who are acquainted with him by the name of Talkative. Notwithstanding his fine tongue, he is a miserable person. Well, he seems a very respectable man, Faithful stated. Oh, yes, to those who don't really know him, he is best abroad. Near home, he's unseemly. Your impression of him as a respectable man brings to mind the work of a painter whose pictures show attractively at a distance, but unpleasantly up close. I noticed you're smiling. Are you jesting with me? Christian protested. 
God forbid that I should jest. I would not accuse anyone falsely. I will give you further insight into who this man really is. This man travels with any company and talks of anything. And he's now talking with you so that he will talk when he's drinking at the pub. And the more he drinks, the more he talks. Religion has no place in his heart, his home, or his conversation. He is all talk, and his religion is to make noise with his mouth. You know, I read this and I I tremble. A man who is a talker never walks in the doing of the word, and he deceives many. And we as Americans have been very much deceived, thinking that when we talk, we actually do. I've been asking people questions like, how much time do you spend every day reading the scriptures? Oh, I read the scriptures every day. Oh, okay. How much time do you spend reading the script? Well, I do my morning watch. I'm reading a book by, they named the famous pastor. Oh, then how much time do you spend reading the scriptures? Well, I don't know. Is that important? Well, yes, it is important. How many times a day do you eat? Oh, I eat three times a day. Do you take snacks during the day? Well, yes, sometimes. But what's that have to do with this conversation? Well, what if you were to spend as much time reading the scriptures as you spend feeding your belly? Well, I don't know if I could do that. I try to read the scriptures and I go to sleep. Are they boring to you? Well, sometimes, yes. How much time do you spend watching videos, YouTubes, movies? Well, I I spend quite a bit of time doing that. Oh, so you can sit down and watch an hour and a half movie and not go to sleep. Well, yeah. But if you sit down and read the scriptures, within a few minutes you're yawning and then you're asleep. Well, that's true. Well, you're not ready for Jesus to come. Your mind has been seared by the world, and the only way it's going to be unseared is by fasting the things of the world and reading the scriptures. Now, I speak to you as one who has walked this way. When I finally decided to be serious about the word of God, I had to stand up and walk around to stay awake while I read it because it was boring to me. I could study it for a sermon. Now, this has been many years ago. Today, when I open the scriptures and I begin to read, it's like watching a movie. It comes alive. It dances before my eyes. Why? Because my mind is open to the word of God. It's not seared by the wickedness of this world. One person said to me, Pastor, I'm having a hard time believing what you're saying. 
I said, okay, do a test. Sit down and watch. I don't care what it is. 35, 40, an hour worth of a movie or of a television or a YouTube, a worldly YouTube, and then go take your Bible and sit down by yourself and see if you can read it. I'll tell you right now, you'll go to sleep quickly. We live in a very visual age. We live in an age with very short attention spans. That's going to have to change if you're going to get ready to go to heaven. You're going to have to spend the time to allow Jesus to expose to your heart the wickedness in your life. And he's going to begin to speak by the Spirit, and he's going to say, cut off the television, cut off Cut off those movies. Stop watching the football games and the baseball games and all the other professional sports. Turn them off. Now, you'll have a time of withdrawal because these things are all drugs in our system. Don't spend hours watching the news and trying to catch up on all the activities that are going on in the world. Some of you are, frankly, obsessed with the Ukraine-Russian war. And you're obsessed with the possibility that this could spread and become World War III. Well, what can you do about it? Nothing. But you can do something about your soul's condition. You can turn off the world. And you can... Read the scriptures. You can pray. You can allow the Holy Spirit to quicken your heart and point out to you, by grace, those things in your heart that are drawing you away from Jesus and preventing you from being prepared to meet him. Are you a talker? Do you know how to talk the religion talk? Do you go to church or have time with friends and not talk about Jesus, but instead talk about the sports? How many times my heart has been grieved in a church when the service has been finally ended, the benediction has been spoken. And then I listen to what people want to talk about, and they want to talk about the guys want to talk about the football game or the baseball game or the basketball game. The gals want to talk about what they are interested in, whether it be sports with their husbands or shopping or where they're going for dinner or what so-and-so has said or done And we need to catch up on the gossip. Utter darkness. Very, very seldom do I see at the end of a worship service, men and women coming together saying, let's pray for each other. Would you pray for me? One man at the National Prayer Chapel has a regular habit 
he always comes to me and he says, Pastor, I'm, I'm ready to go, but I need, I need prayer. Would you pray for me? Yes. How can I pray for you? And he has his things already that I need to pray for him about. Well, shouldn't he pray for himself? Yes. Should he have brothers and sisters praying for him? Yes. Some people don't want to be prayed for. If you ask them, can I pray for you? They'll say no. And they'll quickly walk away. Others will, with tears in their eyes, say, yes, please pray for me. I'm in a terrible situation. And they would never have shared that terrible situation if someone had not asked, can I pray for you? Now, I want to share something with you today. We received a contact from a listener in Norway. And this one writes, I injured my knee today. I had no choice but seeing a physician. She had to have stitches in her knee. They'll be removed in about 10 days. She writes, a number of things about what happened. She has to avoid bending her right knee. She's going to have to take a bus to the doctor. She needed that money that she's had to use for her medical treatment for food, not transport or medical bills. She's 34 years old. She's in a very hard place financially. And she writes, I ask that you would think of me in your prayers. I have, I have a lot of other things in my life, things I'm ashamed of, things I can't do, things I can't do to change because the interest on my debt is beyond my control. And she signs her name. Her name is Hannah. I know Jesus loves you, Hannah. And I know you're going to have to do everything in your power to get ready to meet Jesus because he's coming. But I also know we need one another's prayers. So I'm going to ask all of you who are listening on the radio and on the YouTube right now, would you join me? Let's take a minute and let's pray for Hannah. Hannah needs the deliverance of the Lord Jesus. She needs money for food. She needs healing. And most of all, she needs to have a new revelation of the love and mercy of Jesus for her. 
So let's pray for Hannah. Would you join me? Lord, I come right now with this dear sister, Hannah, from Norway. And I ask, Jesus, that you would look with great mercy upon her today. I pray, Jesus, that you would see the pain and the anguish, both physical and emotional. I pray, Lord, that you would be her provision. I ask, Lord, that you would raise her up out of debt, that you would set her free, that you would be her provision physically and spiritually. I ask, Lord, that you would bring her into a relationship with yourself and with fellow Christians. Lord, I lift her up today, knowing that you will hear our prayers as we together, on the radio and on the YouTube, pray for her. Lord, I plead your mercy. And I plead your grace. Grace to uncover in her life anything that is unclean and cause her to to kneel before you or to wait before you. To sit before you with her leg lifted up as she can't bend it. Lord, I ask that you would minister to Hannah right now. Even in this moment, as we are praying, would you minister to her heart? And would you reveal your great love and mercy to her? And would you rescue her? Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for joining me in praying for Hannah. I can't have someone say, Pastor, would you pray for me and and say, yes, I'll pray for you. No, I'm going to pray right then. I'm going to pray right then for her. I ask, please, would you continue to pray and stand by faith for Hannah's healing and that her debt will be removed that the Lord will bring to her the resources she needs for food and shelter, that the Lord will bring to her the resources she needs to pay off her debt and the wisdom to know how to not go into debt again. Lord, would you forgive Hannah for any sin in her life, any wickedness, any uncleanness? Would you remove that now from Hannah's heart and from her life? Would you restore her in the name of Jesus fully into your love, your kingdom, your mercy, your grace? Thank you, Jesus. You see, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a talker. I want to be a doer. This man... This man talkative says, the kingdom of God is a matter of talk, and he'll talk about anything. But Christian says, remember the proverb, they say and do not, but the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. He talks of prayer. 
He talks of repentance. He talks of faith. He talks of the new birth. But he only knows how to talk about them. I've been with his family. I've observed him both at home and abroad. His house is as empty of true religion as the white of an egg is without flavor. In his house there is no prayer, no sign of repentance for sin. The ox of the field in his own way serves God far better than he does. He is a stain and a reproach, a shame to true religion. No one who knows him has a good word to say about him. The common people who know him say this about him, a saint abroad, a devil at home. His poor family knows what a tyrant he is. He is rude, raving at the slightest provocation, and totally unreasonable. Men who have financial dealings with him say that it is better to deal with a known cheat than with him. To make matters worse, he is bringing up his sons to follow in his footsteps. You know, I just, I recognize today, again, I don't want to be a talker. I've met men who know how to eloquently speak and argue and dissent. All, all manner of theology. They know all the answers. But they don't walk those answers out. They're divisive. They're troublemakers. They judge. They condemn. They accuse. They're just talkers. But there's no reality of the Holy Spirit in their life. Oh, they do some things right because they have to to maintain their place. But they're about themselves. They haven't yet seen the true ugliness of the wickedness of their hearts. These men are blotches among the people of God. They bring discouragement to the saints. They dispute at the drop of a hat. Their house is empty of the true faith of Jesus Christ. I don't want to be that way. And so I am hungry for the grace of Jesus Christ. I am hungry for the true grace that produces conviction of sin, that makes us aware of any defilement that's in our nature, that totally destroys our unbelief. I want, I want to find the mercy of God in Jesus Christ. 
Many of us recognize that we need a much deeper vision of Jesus on the cross and of his resurrection. Many of us recognize that we need a much deeper awakening of our soul, an awakening that would produce in us the sorrow and the shame for any sin that yet resides in our hearts. Now, I know as I share this message, please may I say this to you gently. Many of you listening know a great deal about the gospel you've been taught for years. But you still love the world. You still love the things of the world. As one man said to me, Pastor, is it wrong for me to go to the nightclub if I'm not drinking? Yes, it is. Well, why? Because when you go to the nightclub, you're going to the garbage can. I know that if you go to the barber shop, you'll get a haircut. If you go to the nightclub, you'll get a haircut. The temptations will be strong, and you will not be able to withstand. I know that many of you who listen to this broadcast are wonderful people of God, but I also know that many of you are more talkers than doers. And you don't even know you should change that. I hope today is a wake-up call. I'm going to talk more tomorrow about this last day preparation, but it comes right down to the issue of, will you change the way you live? Will you change your ways It is your ways that God is after. He wants you to walk in his ways. That means a change of how you spend your money, a change of where you go to hang out, a change in your taste and what you desire. And that change can only come about by grace. It is, according to Paul in the book of Titus, it is grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It is not grace that covers over our sin and allows us to be talkers but not doers of the word. I want you to be a doer of the word, not a talker. Well, we're almost out of time for this broadcast I want to invite you to be in touch with with me, with us. Let me give you how you can do that. And then I'd like to pray for you. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22. One nine five. Again, it's National Prayer Chapel, 
Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also reach us by going to one word, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. I'd ask you also to pray for us as we are beginning to work on a new avenue for you to reach us. We've a new webpage, revivalnow.com, revivalnow.com. It's just in construction, and we're going to be adding some very exciting things to that webpage, one of which will be a place where we can have live call-in prayer. That if you need prayer, you can call there and someone will pray with you. As we move forward, I ask for your support in the name of Jesus as you're moved by the Holy Spirit. We need to go national with this radio broadcast. and That will be a million dollars a year impossible for me but we need to reach every city across America every major city across this nation pray about whether you would like to help make that happen well you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress I'm Ray Greenlee I love you and I'm praying for you I'll talk to you soon